I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. But in the battle for the survival of our republic, it's going to be reality and not illusion or delusion that will determine the future. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. I love to hear from listeners. Shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, as you no doubt know by now, the Democrats had a meltdown out in Iowa. I think there's some skullduggery going on. And we're going to get to that and, uh, and the uh, State of the Union address that will be given tonight and the, uh, the closing arguments in the impeachment trial in the Senate. Yeah, it's still going on, believe it or not. And uh, there were some arguments made uh, last night that you're going to want to hear. We're going to bring those to you. But I want to start with a brief programming note. Uh, tomorrow, uh, this show will not air. Um, this is the one-year anniversary of the tragic death of uh, uh, our founder here at Mojo Five O, our co-founder, I should say, Doc Thompson. And uh, the Morning Mojo is going to take the full three hours beginning at 8 and going to 11 to uh, honor Doc and uh, and have a remembrance. I didn't know Doc personally. Uh, I, I know he was a very talented man and that those that did know him well um, thought – the world of him and uh, uh tomorrow they will be celebrating and remembering the life of doc thompson here on mojo 50 so let's start with the iowa caucus uh i want to start first by uh talking about the good news we'll get to the meltdown of the democrats but the good news is that donald trump won big last night not only by the contrast between how the republicans were able to run their caucus in iowa but uh, Donald Trump showed up in, uh, in force in Iowa, turned out a, a, a huge number of people considering that he was uh, practically unopposed. You had um, uh, uh, Bill Weld, former liberal Republican mayor of, or governor of Massachusetts, and, um, and Joe Walsh, the discredited Never Trump talk show host show up uh but trump ended up taking 97 percent and uh the the media just could not understand why donald trump um actually uh, bothered to uh, go and court the voters there in iowa and uh and they asked the trump campaign manager brad parcell just that hi ginger gibson with reuters 
Um, this is a show of force. You have yep. House leadership. You have cabinet secretaries. We've not seen previous presidents up for re-election make this kind of show of force in the yep. primary. What is the motivation behind this? And is it in part uh, to change the, the topic or the discussion or take away in some way, move the discussion away from impeachment as that's unfolding in the Capitol right well, now? There's a few points here, but I'll tell you, unfortunately, the media doesn't tell a lot of truth about us, so we have to show up in force, so they have to write it. Um, I think this president is building a real organization. Uh, everyone said he couldn't do that, he couldn't do this. It's always he can't, he can't, he can't, and then he just keeps doing and doing and doing. Um, we saw that last night with the Super Bowl ad and criminal justice reform. If we don't go out and show it, the media filter offers it. We do focus group after focus group. And one of the most amazing thing I hear at the end of every focus group is people go, I don't think I'm hearing the real story. One time after another after another. So it was uh, it was a big win for Trump in Iowa last night, and uh, the contrast between the uh, the way the Republicans and the Trump campaign ran their uh, their operation there in the Hawkeye Hawkeye could not have been more stark. Because as you no doubt know by now, the Democrats had another one of their train wrecks. They they uh, they rolled out this uh, this secret app that was supposed to calculate the first and second rounds of the caucus and then give a delegate count at the end and the whole thing collapsed. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting a feeling of deja vu. It was back in 2016 where uh, the Democrats in Iowa declared that Hillary Clinton had won that state by a very narrow margin. I think it was 1% or 2%. And it turned out weeks later that, in fact, Bernie had won. And we went into this uh, this caucus in Iowa, the Hawkeye Caucus, as Rush likes to say, uh, eh, sort of expecting that they were going to rig the system against Bernie. And by all indications, that's just exactly what happened. And uh, all of the candidates now, uh, all of the Democrat candidates, are claiming victory uh, since they don't have any results to report. I have a good feeling we're going to be doing very, very well here in Iowa. Today marks the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. It is too close to call, so I'm just going to tell you what I do know. You won! From our indication, it's going to be close. We're going to walk out of here with uh, our share of delegates. You all know what happened out there in those precincts. You know that we have been punching way beyond our weight. Iowa, you have shocked the nation. By all indications, we are going on to New Hampshire victorious. Victorious, says uh, Mayor Pete Butthead. Uh, <laughs> you can bet, listeners that if Joe Biden had had a good showing last night, that those reports would have uh, been front-page headlines on all of the newspapers and uh, the lead story on all of the cable TV shows. Um, I, I don't know uh, if the, the app was designed with backdoors so that the DNC could get in there and muck with the results. Or if they just uh, shut the whole damn thing down when when it was uh, uh, turning out to be a big Bernie win, but I I don't trust the Democrats at all. And remember this you know this is the same Democrat Party that wants to take over the health care sector, the second or third largest 
sector in our economy. They want to take it over and run it in the government. They couldn't run a uh, a website to sign people up for Obama's um, uh, Obamacare. But now they're trying to tell you, you know, we we couldn't uh, make a app to calculate the uh, the votes in Iowa. But trust us, we're gonna we're ready to take over healthcare over at CNN. Yeto uh, Smirkanish, uh, who was uh, started there in Atlanta on talk radio when I was there, and Van Jones, that were, um, well, they were quite upset over the developments. It's going to dilute yeah. the value. I said earlier that yeah. the news yeah. cycle. This is true. Yes. yes. Super Bowl yesterday, State of the Union tomorrow, impeachment the following day. I know we don't think in terms of newspapers, but there are still newspapers. Newspapers are going to go to bed soon. And therefore, whomever wins yeah. will be denied a headline in regional, smaller newspapers tomorrow that so-and-so won the Iowa caucus. So the and, bump is going to be limited. And that's assuming that we know later tonight. True. I mean, look. Well, at this case, we, we're not going to know the results of the Iowa caucus until after the New Hampshire primary. And you can't help but suspect that that's exactly what the Democrats want. They know that uh, not only was Joe Biden not going to win last night, but he was uh, polling fourth going into these caucuses. You, you may recall last week that the Des Moines Register, uh, who always issues a poll ahead of the caucuses, uh, decided to spike their results. Well, it's now been revealed that Joe Biden in that poll was in fourth place. So that tells you two things. One, that they didn't want to announce that and kill any um, enthusiasm among the Biden people. And two, it shows for a fact that they know that these polls shape opinion. And that's why, you know, ahead of the 2016 election, we kept seeing all of these these polls say that Donald Trump is uh, uh, doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of being president. Consistently had him... 15 and 20 points behind Hillary Clinton in their bogus polls. They're called push polls, and they're designed to achieve an outcome that plays into the the media's narrative and the media's who pays for these polls. Here's a dirty little secret you might not know. You can get a pollster to find whatever you want him to, just the same that you can buy a bond rating agency to say uh, to rate your bonds double A, you can get a pollster to uh, to issue a poll uh, with a predetermined outcome. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know this. Uh, this also um, remember uh, makes me uh, think back to um, uh, when Rick Santorum was running against. Um, he was running against Mitt Romney uh, back in 08, and uh, and they said that uh, Mitt had won Iowa, and it came out later that in fact Rick Santorum had won that uh, that primary. But we didn't learn that until a full four weeks afterwards, and by that time, uh, Romney had declared victory in Iowa and New Hampshire and was off to the races.
I'm old wow. enough to remember 2012 when 2012. it took two weeks for Rick Santorum to figure out that he had actually won the Iowa caucuses by 1%. But we were saying the same thing at that time. I was just um, uh, emailing with a Democratic pollster who said to me, the Iowa Par- Democratic Party needs to make sure that the three sets of numbers are consistent with each other, mm-hmm. which would be the hard vote, you know, the that's right. It was 2012 when uh, Santorum went down to uh, Romney. In 2008, it was uh, McCain that uh, was the Republican nominee. So uh, they asked Brad Parcell. <laughs> this was ahead of the uh, the Democrat Party's uh, caucus meltdown. But they asked him how things were shaping up there in Iowa. And uh, Brad was uh, very, very prescient. Thank you. Uh, Miriam Elder from BuzzFeed News. I'm wondering what you guys are thinking watching the Democratic caucus tonight. Uh, who do you think is looking strong? And I understand that the campaign's position is that the president could beat any of the candidates, but is there someone that you are particularly excited to potentially fight against? Well, first of all, i got to say it's a little deja vu for them because I can see Bernie trying to get messed with the same way the president got messed with back in our caucus. I can already see uh, the establishment um, I mean, some phone calls are happening. We saw what happened the last time they rigged the election. Yeah, so, you know, I, I continue to think that tonight will be a, um, will be a real answer. Like, I, I think Bernie, you know, and what happens to him is going to be real with the future of this, um, for the primary is going to be for the Democrats. Um, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of changes, and, and uh, I think Bernie, Bernie will do well. Um, I don't think... Yes, Oh, sorry. Okay, that's uh, that's Brad predicting that Bernie was going to win. They weren't going to allow Bernie to win, and uh, and you you got to believe that the the Bernie Sanders voters that have one, once again been cheated out of their their victory that was predicted in Iowa uh, are going to uh, be even angrier and more determined to push old Bernie over the line. I wonder if he'll make AOC as vice president candidate, I should say. Over at MSNBC, um, I, uh, Chris Matthews was expressing what all of the Democratic establishment actually knows in their heart. What are my thoughts? I'm not happy. I'm not happy with this field. I think they got to find a candidate for president that can be Trump. And you don't think anybody in this field? I'm can looking. Be Trump? I'm still looking. Still looking. What's the problem? Obvious problems. They're all problems. Bernie Sanders is not going to be president of the United States. Okay? okay. I went back to the 72 race. I was a young volunteer for the DNC. I was working for a senator from Utah at the time. I've got to tell you, it feels a lot like it. A lot of giddiness, a lot of excitement, a thrill about this guy. You're saying a lot like McGovern? Oh, exactly. Because he was very exciting. He excited the party completely. Blew away a really good candidate like Muskie. A really good guy. Blew him right out of the water. Because- and then lost 49 states to Richard Nixon that they later went on to impeach. What does that remind you of? He has some issues. Now, analytically, I think a couple things have happened. One is Warren was riding high. I thought she was going to sweep through everything. I should first too easily and just keep going. She was the one candidate I thought could do that. What happened? She got a lot of scrutiny. A lot, you don't want a lot of scrutiny, and she got a lot of it. Does this stuff add up? The Medicare for all, the free college, all that stuff got killed. And 
Guess who's going to get it now? Bernie's going to get it now. Bernie's going to ride high, and he's finally going to get scrutiny about his whole life, his ideology, his whole life, who do you root for all his life? Who is this guy ideologically? It's not just the nice, good stuff like health care. Why, why does he say the stuff he does about Maduran people like that? Why does he say Denmark one week and then somebody else? I mean, I, people got to figure out who the guy is. Yeah. I think I know because I've, I've dealt with these guys most of my adult life. They're usually the guys at the card tables at, at, at a war rally. They'll be there, some old guy with some old literature from this socialist party or that, trying to sell it, trying to latch on to the anti-war movement. There's always guys like that. And they're usually, you know, as, as Howard Fine once said, non-negotiable demands, you know, yelling up at the administration building during the anti-war movement. I know them, but I think the country's going to get to know them. I think we got a problem. We'll see. But, you know, nobody's going to say it tonight. They're all going to be cheering, good old Bernie. You know, I think I think he's going to win big tonight. Real well, big. I think Real he big. would have won big if he would have been allowed to win big. But uh, really, you know, the, the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter. None of these candidates can beat Donald Trump, and that's why they're grooming old Mike Bloomberg and his fat checkbook to uh, parachute in and uh, and take a brokered convention. The one interesting result that came out last night is the Democrats had a very low turnout, which indicates a, a lack of enthusiasm for this field. Uh, in 2008, they had a BAFO turnout uh, that nominated um, uh, Barack Obama. And then by 2012, they had very little uh, enthusiasm for uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, and and the turnout uh, collapsed, and that happened again this year. You would think, after all of the uh, pounding of the drum in the mainstream media, that uh, you know Donald Trump is a dictator and a monarch, and all of the lies that uh, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, and Jerry Nadler have been spreading, that they would have whipped their uh, Iowa voters into a frenzy and had a huge turnout. That did not happen. They had a very low turnout. But like I say, it really doesn't matter. And, and while I'm speaking of turnouts, I want to uh, mention one thing. Uh, I was watching the Iowa caucuses. Uh, they had a lot of video inside these uh, gyms and firehouses across the state. And Iowa is a very white white state, but they have a, a sizable Hispanic uh, population there that have been brought in by employers to work in the uh, the meatpacking industry and agriculture. And there was not a Hispanic face to be seen anywhere. You might remember that uh, Molly Tibbetts was uh, murdered by an illegal alien there in, uh, in Iowa. But there are a lot of legal Hispanics in Iowa too. And, uh, and apparently they're, they're not interested in voting, at least in Iowa. So, you know, we're hearing this, uh, this story that the Democrats have changed their rules to allow Michael Bloomberg onto the stage in this, uh, this next debate coming up in February. They didn't bother changing the rules for Cory Booker or Julian Castro, with the Julian or the other Castro, one of those Castros. They didn't change the rules to allow them to stay on the stage, but now Michael Bloomberg is going to, to get up there and, according to Donald Trump, stand on his box. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious in that, uh, that pre-Super Bowl interview. Why should he get a box? That's not fair. Does everybody else get a box? So the the uh, the... The Democrat media immediately launched a in-depth 
investigation into whether or not Michael Bloomberg had, in fact, asked asked for a box, and they were no no longer talking about impeachment or anything else, but they were talking about whether Michael Bloomberg, in fact, asked for a box. These are the same people that couldn't be bothered to investigate uh, Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine or in China, but they uh, they deployed investigative teams immediately to determine whether or not Mike Bloomberg was asking for a box. Speaking of Ukraine, there was a a, a very telling clip uh, with uh, the ABC reporter uh, reporter at uh, whose name I will pro- uh, I'll tell you after the clip because I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Savannah Guthrie. She was interviewing Joe Biden about uh, Hunter Biden, and she, and she was trying her best to introduce the topic in as uh, diplomatic and softball way as she could to Joe Biden, and Joe Biden bit her head off. This process of impeachment has ensured that everyone knows about Hunter's dealings with Ukraine. That's a good thing, and no one's found anything wrong with his dealings with Ukraine, except they say it sets a bad image. Oh my God! I, I had to I had to interrupt right there. No one has said that is that is Joe Biden's go to line. Nobody has said. All of the media is out there. Even the left wing media is pointing out that this this whole arrangement stunk to high heaven. But you know it, it's frustrating to me because the Republicans are very uh, inept at using the language. What was going on in the Ukraine, and it's obvious to anybody who knows about these things, is a protection racket. Burisma was paying Hunter Biden millions of dollars in order to get protection from his dad. And guess what? He got it. Right about the time that the prosecutors started seizing Burisma assets, him rides Joe Biden and demands his firing. Sorry for that interruption. Well, do you agree that it sets a bad yeah, image? And my son said that. Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No. Knowing that it was really because but, but that company wanted access to you. Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No. Really? Really? Now get this next bit. Who said that? Who said that? Well, don't Who you said think that? that? Don't you think that it's just one of those things where people think, well, that seems kind of sleazy. Why would he have that job if not for his who his father was? Because he's a very bright guy. Because <laughs> he's a very bright guy. A very bright guy who was kicked out of the Navy for uh, cocaine abuse. A very bright guy that uh, knocked up a, a, a stripper in a, uh, a club in Washington, D.C. and then tried to skip out on any child support. A very bright guy, says Joe Biden who engaged in an extramarital affair with his brother's widow. That's the guy that uh, that rode into Ukraine right after Joe Biden got the portfolio uh, for policy there. I've got another clip with, uh, with Joe Biden. Here he is being asked whether or not uh, he would appoint John Kerry as his secretary of state. Why not bring back Secretary Kerry to uh, be Secretary of State? He could be anything he wanted to be. <clears throat> so no matter what the circumstance is, I'm going to need John's advice. You want to come back? I have no plans. Uh, I've been very happy doing what I'm doing. But I certainly would be thrilled if we had a President Obama. So I could be <laughs> thrilled if we had a President Obama. President Obama. Ah, uh, he 
wants President Obama to come back. He couldn't even get the words President Biden out of his mouth. Sarah Sanders uh, predicting a, uh, a disastrous finish for Joe Biden in the Iowa caucuses had this to say on Fox. You know, I think one of the things this all tells us, too, is that they no longer have any confidence in the fact that Joe Biden uh, is viable at this point. He looks very weak in Iowa. Um, he is his money is drying up. He is exciting. No one. And I think if he comes in anything but first tonight, he's going to be in real trouble down the line. He's already having a hard time raising money. They've had to draw resources from other places and try to put it into Iowa. He may be calling his son Hunter and borrowing money from him to uh, fund his campaign pretty soon if he doesn't have a big showing tonight and so far from what we've seen and what we're hearing out of Iowa is that's not looking good for him well that's the real story if Biden came out of Iowa in fourth place uh, he was going to lose all momentum uh, his his uh, fundraising would have dried up his people uh, tried to pick another establishment candidate and the Democrat party just could not allow that to happen and now just coincidentally by sheer um, happenstance, <clears throat> the Democrats cannot an- give announcements on who won in the Hawkeye Caucus. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this brief network interruption. Right here on right now on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. If you have thyroid eye disease and the pain in the back of your eye is forcing bad words from your mouth, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Well, I started the last half hour talking about uh, tomorrow's memoriam for Doc Thompson. Uh, this show will be preempted because the Morning Mojo will go three hours to uh, in, in remembrance and honor of uh, the the passing of our uh, co-founder here on Mojo. I've also got another uh, sad announcement to bring you. Of course, you you probably know by now that Rush Limbaugh in the last. 10 minutes of his show yesterday announced that uh, he had been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. And Rush Limbaugh is obviously a giant in the, the radio field. Uh, I, I used to follow him on, uh, on my radio program down here on the Treasure Coast. Um, and, uh, and I, I'm just up the road uh, from the, the headquarters of the Excellence in Broadcasting Network, and I, I, uh, I know... Uh, people that uh, have dealt with Rush, everybody says that uh, he is an amazing, amazingly kind and considerate uh, man, uh, especially considering 
that he is a historic figure in uh, radio broadcasting. He has uh, been number one on the radio for 30 straight years. Yeah, I think um, Mark Stein pointed out on Tucker's show last night that that's one-third of the time of the whole radio medium Rush has, uh, has been number one. And now we're learning that, uh, that he's got this advanced stage lung cancer. We don't know the prognosis because Rush is not, uh, not the type uh, to, to share uh, that much information. I want to play you a, about a two-minute clip here of Rush's announcement from yesterday's uh, Rush Limbaugh show on the EIB network. But the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Diagnosis confirmed by two medical institutions back on January 20th. Uh, first realized something was wrong on my birthday weekend, January 12th. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment. And I know that that would inspire all kinds of curiosity with people wondering what's going on. And the worst thing that can happen is when there is something going on and you try to hide it and cover it up, it's eventually going to leak. And then people are going to, why didn't you just say it? Why just did it? Why, why do you try to fool everybody? And it's not that I want to fool anybody. It's just that I, I don't want to burden anybody with it. And I haven't wanted to. Um, but it is what it is and you know me i'm the mayor of realville so this has happened and my intention is to come here every day i can and to do this program as normally and as competently and as expertly as i do each and every day because that is the source of my greatest satisfaction professionally uh, personally, well, if prayers and uh, well wishes uh, can make any difference, then Rush Limbaugh will certainly beat uh, this cancer. Although I don't know how far it has spread, and you wonder how in the world could they have missed this till it was in this advanced stage? I don't know if Rush was having annual physicals, but if he was, and uh, then his doctors have really let him down, or either that, or it is a, a, a just an unbelievably aggressive form of cancer. Over on Twitter, um, Brian Stetler, that uh, that paragon of journalistic virtue, um, uh, made the announcement, and his uh, his Twitter replies were just loaded up with vile and uh, disgusting sentiments from the uh, the watchers of CNN but uh it's a sad announcement um it it will be very inspiring if Rush is able to beat this and fight through it while still maintaining uh his uh his radio show so tonight we have the state of the union and it is going to be an epic epic event it would have been better if the uh, senators could have um acquitted Trump ahead 
of his State of the Union because he's going to walk into the chamber with this hanging over his head. But, you know, we're used to the Republicans letting us down and, and not not being effective at the uh, the political um, warfare and skullduggery that the Democrats are so good at. But he is going to go into uh, the House chamber for the State of the Union with a historical, historic, I should say, a historic turnout in the Republican caucuses in Iowa where he had a big turnout, especially considering that uh, he faced almost zero opposition and secured 97% of the vote, while at the same time the Democrats uh, blundered theirs. Um, And one of the things I was thinking, you know, uh, Donald Trump is not one to hold his tongue. He is, uh, I I wonder if he is going to take the opportunity with Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi uh, there in the room to blast them for their very destructive and dishonest impeachment. But I kind of suspect and I kind of hope that he'll stick to um, touting the accomplishments of this administration as Don Jr. described. The impeachment hoax started the day my father won the election. Okay, it started, the articles were written during the inauguration, they were typing them, right? The Washington Post made the case for impeachment literally 20 minutes after the inauguration. This is what the Democrats have been doing from moment one, okay? When they were pushing the Russia hoax, my father was renegotiating NAFTA and he got that done. When they're signing the articles of impeachment, my father signs a historic trade deal with China. That's the difference between the do-nothing Democrats and my father. He's actually getting things done, but he's getting things done despite their unprecedented incoming, despite their unprecedented obstruction. They are not doing anything for the American people, and he's getting it done, and he's going through his checklist one by one. Well, I'm hoping that Donald Trump will be able to point out uh, the administration's uh, accomplishments and contrast them with the Democrats' obstruction in a presidential way. But I'm not sure I'd be able to hold my tongue uh, sitting there looking at pencil-neck, bug-eyed Adam Schiff or uh, the toad Jerry Nadler and with Nancy Pelosi there over his uh, his shoulder. One of the things that came out uh, yesterday is the, uh, the Democrats are going to have one of their guests in the gallery is going to be that... Um, that uh, illegal alien uh, mother of nine children from Honduras that was uh, the uh, the poster child for the open borders crowd last year when they staged those photographs of her uh, running. They, they took several takes. There was somebody else filming that uh, released the camera, but she was supposed to be running through tear gas. It turns out she's got nine children, and they are now here on the taxpayer's dime, getting uh, health care at the emergency room um, on on your dollar, uh, no doubt collecting food stamps and housing assistance and all the panoply of other things that uh, uh, attracts these illegal aliens. Nine children she brought here to to take care of. Now the American people... They, uh, they can't have families that big because, uh, you know, uh, of the economy and the taxes. But uh, here we are paying for uh, nine children and, uh, and a mother from Honduras 
And the Democrats want more of that. Remember, they all want free health care for illegal aliens. So the other big story was that the, uh, they, they had closing arguments at the U.S. Senate during the impeachment trial yesterday. Very, 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 very few people bothered tuning in. Most people were just sick to death of this. But your intrepid host here uh, watched some of it as much as I could. And uh, Adam Schiff was in rare form in his, uh, his hysteria and his dishonesty. If abuse of power is not impeachable, even though it is clear the founders considered the highest of all high crimes and misdemeanors, but if it were not impeachable, then a whole range of utterly unacceptable conduct in a president would now be beyond reach. Trump could offer Alaska to the Russians in exchange for support in the next election or decide to move to Marla. <laughs> we don't impeach the president. He may give away Alaska. <laughs> I mean, really, that is, that's the level that, uh, that we're, we've sunk to now. But the reason I, I wanted to cover the closing arguments is because uh, this, this star of the White House counsels, uh, Patrick Philbin, really just uh, dismantled Schiff and Nadler's case part by part. And, um, and here he is pointing out, uh, you know, this, this tactic that Schiff had used uh, to put these amorphous uh, articles of impeachment up there. And then when he gets in the Senate, start uh, making charges of all sorts of other violations. Mr. Chief Justice, Senators, thank you for that question. And no, the articles of impeachment do not charge the crime of bribery, extortion, or any other crime. And that's a critical point because, as the Supreme Court has explained, no principle of procedural due process is more clearly established than that of notice of the specific charge and a chance to be heard in a trial of the issues raised by that charge are among the constitutional rights of every accused. That was the Supreme Court in Cole versus Arkansas. And the court has also explained that for over 130 years, a court cannot permit, it has been the rule, that a court cannot permit a defendant to be tried on charges that are not made in the indictment against him. That is the rule in the criminal law, and it is also the case for impeachments. It is the House's responsibility to make an accusation, and a specific accusation in articles of impeachment. The House had the opportunity to do that, and they did that. And the charges that they put in the articles were abuse of power on a vague standard that they made up and obstruction of Congress. They put some discussion about other things in a House Judiciary Committee report, but they did not put that in the articles of impeachment. And if this were a criminal trial in an ordinary court, and Mr. Schiff had done what he just did on the floor here and start talking about crimes of bribery and extortion that were not in the indictment, it would have been an automatic mistrial. We'd all be done now, and we could go home. They keep talking about it. It's not a real trial in the Senate without, without witnesses and evidence, despite the fact that, in fact, there were uh, 18 witnesses that the House called in their impeachment proceedings, shutting the administration out entirely. Uh, the president wasn't allowed to call a single witness. And all of this was by design, as Patrick Philbin pointed out. 
I think this is one of the most important issues that this body faces, given these calls uh, to have witnesses, because the House managers try to present it as if it's, it's just a simple question, how can you have a trial without witnesses? But in real litigation, no one goes to trial without doing discovery. No one goes to trial without having heard from the witnesses first. You don't show up at trial and then start trying to call witnesses for the first time. And the implications here in our constitutional structure for trying to run things in such uh, an upside-down way would be very grave for this body as an institution. Because as the senator's question points out, it largely prevents this chamber from getting other business done as long as there is a trial pending. And the idea that the House can do an incomplete job in trying to find out what witnesses there are, having them come testify, trying to find out the facts, just rush something through and bring it here as an impeachment, and then start trying to call all the witnesses, means that this body will end up taking over that investigatory task. And all of the regular business of this body will be slowed down, hindered, or prevented while that goes on. And it's not a question of just one witness. It's not a question of a lot of people talk right now about John Bolton, but the president would have the opportunity to call his witnesses just as a matter of fundamental fairness. And there would be a long list of witnesses if the body were to go in that direction. It would mean this would drag on for months and prevent this chamber from getting its business done. There's, there's a proper way to do things and an upside-down way of doing things. And everybody's acting like, oh, the House managers uh, were just incompetent. They weren't incompetent. This, this was uh, skullduggery on the part of the Democrats. They engineered this process from the beginning to achieve exactly this outcome because this is a public relations campaign. This is a, an opposition research for the Democrat Party paid for by the taxpayers and orchestrated by one of the most dishonest, um, despicable characters in American political history. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're enjoying these uh, these long clips from Phil, but I do uh, because uh, I'm so frustrated by the Republicans um, not being really good at messaging on this. And Philbin uh, really, really lays it out. I've, I've heard some people start referring to him as Atticus Finch because he is such an effective uh, litigator. He's he's obviously mild-mannered and sort of low-key. But the arguments he puts forward are absolutely devastating. And here is one. It's, uh, it's a minute long, pointing out that uh, what I just said, that this, uh, this whole uh, impeachment charade by the Democrats was never about finding the truth. Cross-examination of witnesses in particular is one of the most important procedural protections for any American. The Supreme Court has explained that for over 250 years, our legal tradition has recognized cross-examination as the greatest legal engine ever discovered for the discovery, ever invented for the discovery of truth. So why did House Democrats jettison every precedent and every principle of due process in the way they devised these hearing procedures. Why did they devise a process that kept the president locked out 
of any hearings for 71 of the 78 days of the so-called investigation. I would submit because the process was never about finding the truth. The process was about achieving a predetermined outcome on a timetable and having it done by Christmas. And that is what they achieved. And that's what they achieved. And it was really never even about uh, removing this president because they knew that that was doomed to failure. Uh, They had the majority in the House of Representatives, so they were going to push this forward as part of the 2020 presidential campaign. And and they've done that. And now the president's going to come into the State of the Union tonight with this hanging over his head. Because Mitch McConnell, despite the fact he was uh, able to, you know, shut this thing down, has been um, played once again by failing to uh, get an acquittal vote ahead of the State of the Union tonight. <laughs> I, I have to admit that if I was forced to be locked in that uh, Senate chamber and listen to Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff spin their web of lies all of this time, uh, I, I might not be thinking very straight either. You got a Lindsey Graham who's promising that uh, once this impeachment wraps up, that he's going to call um, Hunter Biden and Adam Schiff and um, and several of the other players in this uh, this sorry episode to testify before his judicial uh, judiciary committee. He took over the gavel from uh, from the Iowa senator uh, Grassley. But, you know, I also remember, this is uh, the second year that he's had that gavel. I I remember him saying early on that uh, once he took over the Judiciary Committee, he was going to call uh, James Comey and John Brennan and get to the bottom of the Russiagate hoax. None of that ever happened. He never had any hearings. So I'll believe uh, Graham uh, calling Hunter Biden and Adam Schiff when I see it. Until then, I, I hope hold little promise that that will in fact happen. You know, Adam Schiff keeps citing, "Oh, the president violated the Constitution," but you'll notice when they make these claims that they never f- cite a provision of the Constitution that he is supposed to have violated. The truth of the matter is, it would have been improper not to ask about Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine, who we have a an agreement with to uh, conduct these types of investigations into corruption. The president was in fact upholding his duty to faithfully execute the laws. And you know, one thing that uh, Senator Joni Ernst of, of uh, Iowa pointed out that if the Democrats were able to overcome Massive odds, let's say Donald Trump got struck by lightning and they were able to get old Joe Biden elected. He would come into office impeachable or or at least be under severe investigation. They keep, he keeps saying nobody has ever alleged wrongdoing. Well, everybody is alleged wrongdoing, not only in the Ukraine, but also in China. And uh, woe unto be Joe Biden if uh, the Republicans retake the House of Representatives with with that corruption, that obvious corruption hanging out there. So let's talk about the coronavirus. The U.S. Uh, has now declared a public health emergency 
And uh, I guess there's going to be a run on masks, uh, surgical masks, in the United States now as well. There were videos of uh, from over in China of people cutting off the bottom of um, of water jugs, the type that you put in those dispensers, and uh, wearing them over their heads. <laughs> but uh, it, it's shaping up more and more like this is going to be a true pandemic. Everybody that tried to sort of downplay and uh, minimize what this, in fact, was uh, has uh, turned out uh, to be mistaken. There's, uh, I think they're they're claiming in China 30,000 infections and about 10% of that number uh, have, have died of it. This is a very lethal virus. And people ask, well, you know, the flu kills uh, 60,000 people in the United States a year. Why is everybody freaking out over the coronavirus? It's because it is very lethal. The flu kills about 2% of the people that it affects. And this coronavirus kills about 15%. And that's just with the the numbers that we know uh, that are coming out of China, which are probably massaged to minimize the panic and the damage to their already fragile economy. But, you know, they, they talk about um, things on the Internet and social media going viral and just exploding. And that's exactly what the uh, public health officials are worried about with this coronavirus. I've got a, a, an update on the declaration of a public health emergency in the U.S., Health officials confirming two new cases of the coronavirus in the U.S. A 57-year-old California couple becoming the latest to be infected after the husband traveled to Wuhan, the epicenter of the deadly outbreak. Officials say the man has not left his home, but did pass the illness on to his wife. We're trying to learn more about this virus. We don't know everything about this virus. Now with 11 confirmed cases across four states and over 100 patients still being monitored, the government is temporarily banning entrance into the U.S. for most foreign nationals who have recently visited China. It's about time. 2,000 new cases were confirmed over the weekend. The death toll there climbing to over 300. The U.S. declaring the coronavirus outbreak a public health emergency mandating remaining flights out of China be routed through 11 U.S. airports with advanced screening capability and requiring Americans who have visited the province where the virus is believed to have originated be quarantined for up to two weeks. Overnight, China accusing the U.S. of overreacting to the virus outbreak, saying its actions could create and spread panic. Today, the State Department is still working to evacuate about a 1,000 Americans still stuck in Wuhan. I'm fine with them being in quarantine when they get back. I just want them back in the States. In nearly all of the cases here in the U.S., the person who was infected recently had traveled to China, then had come home for a prolonged close contact with someone who was then infected. Well, we know that uh, uh, China has a... a a rudimentary public health system. And if they're claiming uh, 300 deaths, I think it's 350 deaths they're claiming now, then that is probably just the tip of the iceberg because people are staying in their homes and there are probably people dead in those homes that are, have not been reported. And, and the the people that uh, the communist government in China knows about are probably being uh, underreported as well. 
11 cases uh, in the U.S. I'm sure that the, the Centers for Disease Control is trying to track down anybody who entered the country prior to uh, the, the declaration during that two-week incubation period of this, uh, this outbreak. And we'll continue to report on it. Uh, the death toll now uh, has surpassed uh, the SARS epidemic. And, um, and it is broken out of the borders of China as well. Speaking of borders, the, uh, the administration has now declared a travel ban on, um, on I think it's uh, six or seven new countries, including the largest uh, country in Africa, Nigeria. It also includes several other African countries. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's good news. Uh, we're shutting down travel and immigration from countries that have a history of being hotbeds of terrorism or have insufficient screening processes uh, that don't meet American standards. Michael Flynn has withdrawn his guilty plea. And uh, that was that was actually last Friday. Uh, his new attorney, Sidney Powell, has uncovered wrongdoing on the the, Depart- uh, the Department of Justice. When uh, when he first withdrew his plea, the Department of Justice turned around and instead of asking for a minimal jail time, a time a couple of weeks, uh, they they upped that to six months. But now that they have actually read the readings that Sidney Powell has, uh, the pleadings that Sidney Powell has fi- filed. They have uh, removed any request for jail time and are simply asking that that um, Michael Flynn get probation. And that's an indication that uh, that they're not very confident in their case. I'll play a clip for you here. I'm not sure we'll get it all in. But this is James Comey at one of these panel discussions bragging about entrapping James Comey. I'm sure this is going to be one of uh, Sidney Powell's main exhibits. It's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen? I sent them. Um, <laughs> um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration. <laughs> the protocol, two men that all of us have perhaps increased appreciation for. So right there... James Comey admits that he violated established protocol in order to get at Flynn, and we know that those two um, FBI agents that he sent over there, their initial report was there was no indications of deception. Then they turned around after Mueller got his hands on it and entrapped General Flynn. Another interesting thing is uh, Carter Page is now suing the Democrat National Committee because they uh, they disseminated the Steele dossier that was used to, by the FBI and other government agencies to spy on him. Going to be fun watching this shape up. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you back here again on Thursday, right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. 
Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.